thank you, Lord, and thank you, choir, for sharing that with us. Well, man, I'm glad to see you here this morning. <sighs> Everybody got the Word of God in hand? I hope you do. If you do, I want to encourage you to take it. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 12 as we continue our series, Start Over, entitled Start Over. Most of us need to take opportunities to start over. We need every now and again a new beginning, a fresh start. I'm reminded of that on a regular basis in people's lives. But, you know, even, I, I, how many of y'all have watched any ball games in the last day or two? Yeah, I know some of you had. Over the last several weeks, there have been a lot of them. You know, one of the things that, that always strikes me, watching sports is how oftentimes we hear it said of a coach, well, they had a great run, but the game's passed them by. Or if you're watching professional athletes, sometimes you hear it said, well, you know, they just can't quite do what they used to do. They've, they've lost a step. What happens when someone thinks they've reached the place where they can no longer live up to what they've already done, what they've already accomplished. When they come to that, that place where maybe they can't compete like they used to or they can't perform like they used to. Many people stand on the brink of despair thinking that their best days have passed them by. That everything is, is done. They don't took anything to look forward to. They've accomplished everything in life that they were going to accomplish, and now it's just that horrific ride into oblivion. I think there's a man in Scripture kind of like that. We're going to look at him this morning. His name was Samuel. I want us to read just a brief peace out of his life. And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you a lot about his life as we move forward and get into this message. But I, I think probably most of us know something of the story of Samuel. But before we get into the story of his life and how it unfolded and some of the things he was involved in, I want us to read what is stated in my Bible under the heading of Samuel's farewell speech. It's found in chapter 12 of 1 Samuel. And if you've gotten to that place, I, I want us to, to read this together. And I, I just want to issue a challenge to you before we read it. And I'm going to issue this challenge to you throughout the message. I, I just want you to get this locked in. Don't give up on yourself yet. No matter where you're at in life, I, I don't care if I'm talking to a senior adult. I don't care if I'm talking to students. I don't care if I'm talking to young adults. Don't give up on yourself yet. Thank you. No matter what has been, no matter what has occurred, no matter what you've done, no matter whether you think you've reached the pinnacle or it's beyond your reach, whatever it might be, don't give up on yourself yet. I think Samuel had. I'm going to show you why. If you've got your Bible open, 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to begin our reading at verse 1. We're going to read the first five verses together. If you've got your Bible open there, if you can and will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Follow along with me. Samuel said to all Israel, 
I've listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I've been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these, I will make it right. You have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You've not taken anything from anyone's hand. Samuel said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and also his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness, they said. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you this morning for your holy word, and I just pray that you would add your blessing to it. And Father, as we spend these moments together, as brief as they may, I, I, I might be, I just pray that you would speak truth into our hearts. I pray that your Holy Spirit would shine a light into each of our lives. Help us to see where we've been, where we are, and give us hope, Father, to see where you would take us in the future. Father, I pray now that your word and your spirit would minister your truth into our lives that it might transform us, that it might guide us, that we might become a people whose lives bring glory and honor to you each day that we live. Have your way, Father. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. These words that we've just it's just together ring with a sense of finality. It's as if Samuel had gotten up that morning, he had looked in the mirror and he said to himself, I've reached the pinnacle. I've reached the apex of my ministry. I've gone to the mountaintop and there's nothing left except rolling down the backside of the hill now. And certainly it might have seemed like that to him. Samuel was born about 1105 B.C., somewhere in that neighborhood. He watched the nation of Israel go through a radical transformation. From a people who were led by God and led by the judges of God to becoming a nation that now wanted and had a king. But long before that, Samuel was the answer to his mother's prayer. If you'll remember the story, his mother was barren. She cried out to God for a child. and She told God, said, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And scripture records that after Samuel was born and he was weaned, his mother took him to Shiloh. And there she, she gave him to Eli to raise him. Eli was a prophet, priest. Eli wasn't all bad, but I'm going to tell you this, Eli was a lousy dad. And he raised a couple of rebellious sons. And because of that, God cast Eli aside as well as his two sons. And Samuel became the prophet and the priest 
as well as a judge in Israel. In Samuel's life and the life of Israel, God was doing something new. Hadn't been seen before. Always God had been the ruler and he had had men who stood between himself and the people. But now uh, the people began to cry out for something different, something new. As Samuel began to age, his own sons weren't the best of examples. But he wanted to pass his role, his mantle, on to his sons. God rejected that. The people rejected that. They cried out for a king. Samuel felt like he was being rejected by the people of his nation. But God revealed to him, they're not rejecting you and asking for a king. They're rejecting me. And so Israel went from having prophets, priests, judges who reigned over them under the authority of God to having a king. God sent Samuel to go anoint Saul, and he did. He anointed Saul. He was there at Saul's coronation, and probably at the conclusion of that, he thought, well, time to go home, get a cup of coffee, go sit out on the porch in my rocker, and wait for the end. But God wasn't done with him yet. God had other plans. You remember the story, King Saul grew corrupt. He violated God's ways. He, he dishonored God. He dishonored the sacrificial system. Ultimately, he even basically turned his back on God. And so God called once more to Samuel. He, he spoke to his prophet and instructed him to go to Bethlehem to anoint a new king, a young man by the name of David. But that's beyond the scope of this morning's sermon. So let's draw back in a little bit. And let's say it like this, anointing Saul as a king was not the end of Samuel's service, even though I believe he thought it was. It was not the apex of his career. It was not the closing act. It was not the final chapter. It was not the mountaintop. God still had something more for Samuel to do. So Samuel went to Bethlehem. He obeyed God. And then we need to learn some things from Samuel. And so I want you to just look in these verses with me. We're not going to be a long time. You know what? I think this is one of the simplest messages this ever preached. But I want you to understand something. God challenged me with this passage. And when I look across this room, I see a lot of people, and I see a lot of people who are engaged in ministry of one sort or another, some within the church, some outside the church. But I also see a lot of people who say, you know what? My role is just to sit here. Let's think about it for a while. I want to just show you some things that God showed me out of these verses. Can I do that? All right. Let's begin with this. God has something for each of us to do. Friend, I don't care who you are. I don't care how young you are or how old you might be or what you have done or where you have been or what's gone right or what's gone wrong. We need to understand God has a plan for us. Now, understand this, though. Not every plan is the same. Samuel was not called to be Israel's first king. I think Samuel might have been happy with that, but that wasn't God's plan for Samuel. God chose Saul for that job. And, and, you know, we could look at it and say, what an honor to be the, the king, the first king of Israel. Are you kidding me? What a lousy job. 
These people had never had a king before. They didn't know how to respond to a man who was going to give orders and who was going to order taxes paid and who was all of that pulled together an army and conscript people and make them serve. They didn't know how to respond to all of that. So it, it might not have gone as smoothly as what you might think. And Saul had never been a king before. And he was part of a people who had never had a king. So he really wasn't sure what all he was supposed to do or how to go about doing the things that were necessary to properly govern and lead a nation. The people weren't sure what to expect or how to respond. The king wasn't sure what to do or how the people would respond. And then there's Samuel. He's sitting off the side watching all of it. Tried to tell you people you didn't want a king. So all I told you, this wasn't going to be an easy thing. And he's watching Saul. And Saul is experiencing failure after failure after failure. He's floundering. And most of it was his own character flaws. It was his own spiritual weakness. It was his own lack of faith. It would have been so easy. It would have been so easy for Samuel to watch Saul fall on his face and then step up and say, Look, after all the years of leadership that I've had, step back, son. I'll take it from here. People. Behold your king. How easy would that have been? But being the king was not what God had called Samuel to. Samuel was called to be a prophet. Just for a priest. The purpose for which Samuel had been created. The purpose for which he had been born. God's calling upon his life. God's purpose for him was not changed by Saul's failure. And folks, I want you to understand something. What God has for you, what God has for me, is not contingent upon someone else's success or failure. It's for us. One's calling is given by God. Not by circumstances. Not by situations. Not by others who might be around us. Did you know this morning God has something for you today? Something specific. And not just for you, but, but for every one of us in this room. God has placed each one of us in a unique place with specific people and situations that fit us only. I remember when I was a kid thinking, boy, wouldn't it be cool if that guy was my dad? I grew up a little bit. I'm so thankful God gave me the father I have. I think everyone at some point thinks, boy, I wish that was my family. Because let's get down to it. All of our families are crazy, right? And wouldn't it be easier if we were in somebody else's family? Well, here's what we don't understand. Everybody's family's crazy. All right? Were you on that side of the fence? They're crazy too. So, you know, just be satisfied. God has put you where you need to be in the family you're supposed to be a part of. He hasn't placed you there by accident. He didn't put you in your neighborhood by accident. He put those people that live around you, around you for a reason. He wants to use you somehow. He didn't put you in your job, your workplace by accident. He didn't put you in the schoolroom that he put you in by accident. God has a purpose. He has a reason. He puts us where we're supposed to be. We have to be cautious to use everything he places in our hands for his glory. He might use us like Samuel. To help, uh, help others get where they're supposed to be going. That might be the fulfilling that some of us have. Is leading others, helping them get there. You might be the catalyst that God uses to get someone else to the next step in their life. Or to the next level of their journey with Him.
But understand this, God has something for each one of us. And when I say that, what I really want you to hear and understand is this. None of us who belong to Jesus are exempt. His call to follow me, that's for all of us. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for deacons. It's not just for Sunday school teachers. It's for each one of us. Jesus says, follow me. That's our calling. That's our purpose. That's where it all begins. Everything else flows out of that. Let me take you a step further and tell you something else. I want you to get this. A lot of people have missed this, and I want you to get this, because this is so important to living life today. From beginning to ending, integrity counts. Don't kid yourself. Integrity counts. Well, where does that come from? Well, look, Samuel's life spoke for itself. The verses we just read together, look at them. He had spent his entire lifetime in public eye. I mean, even as a young boy, he, he was in, in public's eye to some degree as he ministered to Samuel and to those who came in and out of the place of worship. Samuel dies. His sons die. Or, or excuse me, Eli dies. His sons die. Samuel becomes the man. He was before the nation at all times. He was the prophet. He was the judge. He was the one that everyone looked to and said, what's the word from God today? We're heading into this situation. What's God's plan? How is this supposed to work out? And he gets to the end of his life, or he thinks it's the end of his life. He's not ready to die yet, by the way. Go ahead, give you a spoiler alert, okay? We read this and it says, Samuel's farewell address. Not so fast, my friend. Five. Samuel's not going anywhere. This is chapter 12. He's not going to die till chapter 25. God still had plans for him. He just didn't know it in the moment, all right? And so he gathers all the people together. They've, they've made Saul their king. And he addresses the nation and he asks them, have I, have I stolen from anyone? Did I take anyone's ox, anyone's donkey? Have I accepted bribes from anybody? Have I cheated anyone? Have I oppressed anyone? Have I abused anyone? If I've done anything wrong, this is your opportunity. Speak now. Point it out to me. Tell me about it. I'll make it right, right here in front of God and everybody. And after a lifetime in public service and in the eye of the public, think about this. Look at the testimony that these people gave on behalf of him in verse 4. You have not cheated or oppressed us. You've not taken anything from anyone's hand. Now, I'm not going to digress into politics. But I just want to ask you, can you name one politician in our country of whom that can be said? Friends, listen to me. I know we live in a world where mores are shifting. I know that we live in a world of moral relativism where people are trying to shift right and wrong and people are trying to say, well, that's gray area. They want to make everything a gray area instead of anything being black or white. We live in a culture and a society that wants to say, well, if it feels good to me, if, if I'm comfortable with it, if it makes me happy, if it satisfies me, it's okay. No. God says what is right and wrong. He always has, 
He always will. He calls us to follow him. And I want you to understand that from the beginning of your life to the end of your life, integrity still counts. I've said that before and had people say, you make too big a deal about that. No, that's just because some people want to make a small deal out of that. Integrity is held in high regard and is respected even by those who would tell us it doesn't matter. Case in point, this past year, how many of you watched live or later maybe on a recording all of or a small portion of the funeral services for Dr. Billy Graham? Probably quite a few of you. You saw some of it at least. Myself, if you didn't watch, it was on the news. There were bits and pieces. I found myself watching that and, and, and so intrigued by what I saw. How do you explain these crowds? This man from the hills who never held office, never was claimed to be anyone important, and yet they took him in a simple plywood casket and he lay in state in the Capitol, Capitol Rotunda in Washington, D.C. And tens of thousands of people filed by to pay their respects. Why? Because they held him in high regard. Why? Because he was a man of impeccable integrity. Heads of state. Legislators. This one that cracked me up. Christians and Muslims alike. Those who stood for the things that Dr. Graham opposed, they came. Those who opposed the things that he stood for, they came. And no one said anything derogatory. No one said anything bad. No one challenged his legacy. No one could challenge his integrity. There were no detractors in sight. Everyone came to pay their respect. Why? Because integrity counts. And he, Samuel was a man of integrity. That's the reason he could throw the gauntlet down to these people and they would share such a testimony about him. You've not done anything wrong. We find no fault. There was just one problem I found in this passage of Scripture. It's before verse 1. It's in bold print in my Bible. It says, Samuel's farewell address. Samuel thought he was done. But let me tell you one last thing before we stop this morning. God's plan ends when he says it ends. Not when you say so. We're not done when we think we're done. We're done when God says we're done. Why is that? Because he's in control, not us. Sometimes we've, we serve God in a role, a capacity, a position, uh, whatever. And, and, and we do that. We do that with passion. We do it with compassion. We do it with, with all that we have in us. And we reach the end of that particular ministry and we may think that we're finished. And when I say a ministry, some of y'all are saying, well, that doesn't pertain to me. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a staff member. I'm not. No, no, no. Listen. 
Parents, because your nest is suddenly empty, it doesn't mean you're done. It doesn't mean that you're finished. Can I get an amen? They go away, they multiply, and they come back. (laughs) Just because they left doesn't mean you're finished. The job's not over. And, And you know what? Then they bring blessings back to you. They come to your house and they bear gifts. Children. Grandchildren. God's gift. They are God's gift to you for not killing your kids when they were teenagers. I'm telling you, just because the nest goes empty doesn't mean you're done and you're, you're going to continue to parent your children and you're going to continue to parent when those grandkids come in. Oh, the good part is you get to parent them and then send them home. You don't have to deal with them and their attitude after, after you've had to do some parenting. It doesn't mean we're finished. So many of us, we, we set our sights on a particular task or a place or a, a manner of service, and we think we're fitted for that one thing and that one thing only and nothing else. So when we all end of that or we reach the end of that, we're tempted to think, okay, I'm done. I can relax now. All I've got to do is wait for a shout, a trumpet blast, or God's whisper saying, come on home, son. Samuel thought he was finished. He anointed Saul. He oversaw the coronation service. He gives this glorious farewell address. He, he confirms him as the king and makes sure that he's seated upon the throne. But God had other plans. I've read the rest of the story. Samuel was not through parenting Saul. Because Saul had a propensity to make messes like few men have ever had. And Samuel was there to chastise, to challenge, to correct, to give direction and insight. And finally, when God said, Samuel, bless your heart, you've worked so hard with this guy, and he just doesn't get it. So I've chosen someone else. I've chosen a young man who's a man after my own heart. And I want you to go and anoint him. Samuel took that journey. And he went to Bethlehem and he anointed David, even at the same time he was still trying to figure out a way to help Saul. How different would the story have been after if Samuel had just given this speech and gone home? But he didn't. And the result is, as tragic as the story is, Saul died. David became the king. Don't get me wrong, David had his problems too. But he was a man after God's own heart. And Israel became a great nation because of a great king who was pursuing a great God. And so much of that tracks back to an elderly gentleman who said, Hey, I'm old and gray headed. I have sons that are grown, I'm done. But he listened when God said, no, you're not. Have you walked away? Have you walked away? 
The story of Samuel's life should be a reminder for each one of us that God has a use for us in his kingdom, and that use is for a lifetime. Sometimes what we do changes. Sometimes our calling becomes something more or something less or something different or something new. Or, but whatever tasks or jobs or ministries we may have completed, if we're still breathing, God isn't finished with us yet. He's not done. Now, we may have to back up and start over. We may have to find a fresh beginning, but he's not done. I find myself so often reading the stories. I'm inspired by them, people who, who gave their all. Great men and women of faith poured themselves out until their final breaths. History is filled with them, but I, you know, just... Mother Teresa... Dwight L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon, the Wesleys, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, Billy Graham. I mean, the list could go on and on and on of men and women of faith who poured themselves out in service to the Master until they did not have a breath left to give. They never walked away. And their names are recorded in history and revered by those of us who come after because of their faithfulness. So let me ask you again. Have you walked away? Have you given up? Have you quit serving? Doing what? you can do and that God has called you to do and equipped you to do and pointed you toward? You might say, well, I, I'm, I'm too old. Silly people. You might say, well, I'm too young. How foolish. You might say, well, you don't know who I am. Where I've been, the things I've done, the mistakes that I've made. Maybe I don't. Who cares? God knows. Believe me, He knows every one of them. And if He has called you, He has called you in spite of, or maybe because of, your experience. And so I'm just here to tell you this don't give up on yourself yet. Don't give up on yourself this morning. Keep your vision clear. Focus your heart this morning on the Master. Follow Him and let Him make you. Hold on to your integrity. It counts. It matters. That's the one thing that will lift you above the crowd around you. And, and, and remember this. If you're still here and you're still breathing, and I, I think most of you are in this room, God's not done with you yet. The question are, is, are we ready?
Are we ready to give him our all? Are we ready to follow him? Are we ready to serve him as he leads? And and now, now is the moment. Now is the opportunity. Now is the time to surrender to him and say, I will follow. I will serve. I will go. I will do until you tell me I'm done. I've been blessed beyond measure to be given four decades to do what I do. I won't lie to you and say there haven't been times I've been discouraged. I will not be so dishonest as to look at you and say every day has been a cakewalk through the rose garden. There have been days when I have begged God to let me quit. There have been times when I have asked God to kill me because I didn't want to go on. Hear me. If you're still here, he's not done with you yet. So don't you give up on yourself. Don't you quit. Don't you think for a minute that God has forsaken you because he does not forsake his children. He does not abandon us. He does not leave us alone. He is with us always, even to the very end of the age. And if you're looking around saying, well, he's not with me, it's not him that moved. Maybe today, you're sitting in this room and you're saying, you know what? I don't know the God you're talking about. I don't know a God who loves us like that, who, who will look past our failures and our faults. I don't know a God who, who stays with us through everything and never gives up on us. Well, then you don't know the true living God. And today, I want to tell you something. You can meet him. In a moment when we stand together and, and we begin to sing, if you'd just come and take me by hand and say, Pastor, I want to know that God. We'd love to share him with you today. We'd love to introduce you to him. But you're going to have to come in and be honest. You're going to have to be willing to confess your sin. Turn from it. Ask his forgiveness. Invite him into your life. Surrender everything to him. Would you do that? Maybe you're my brother or sister, but you're looking in, in the mirror of your heart right now and saying, you know what? I've made a mess out of things. I'm not following him. I'm not living for him. I've quit serving. I've taken a step back and said, I'm done. Everybody else can do it. I've pulled the wagon long enough. Somebody else can drag this cart up the hill. If you're still here and you're still breathing, he's not done with you yet. Don't you give up on yourself yet. Seek him with all your heart. Hear his voice. And surrender yourself to be used however he wants to use you. There will be hard days. There will be times when you hurt. But I promise you this. You'll never find greater joy greater satisfaction or greater fulfillment than when you serve the Lord. So don't you give up on yourself yet.
Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation, of surrender, of commitment. And my friend, I, I don't know. I don't know how God's speaking to you or what he's saying to you today. I do know this. He spoke to me this week through this passage of Scripture. He challenged me. He renewed me. But today, however, he's calling you. Would you hear his voice? If he's calling you into a relationship with himself that you've never had, I, I pray that today you would hear that call and you would come to him. Come to him in confession. Come to him in surrender. Come to him and let him take control of your life. It may be that he's calling you and you're saying, you know what, he's called me before and I've told him no and I'm not going to change my answer. I pray that he will call you and call you and make you miserable until you surrender to him. Because you're never going to know the fullness and the joy of life that he has for you until you do life his way. Maybe you're looking for a place where you can serve and be served. A place where you can connect to the body of Christ. Be a part of what God is doing in this capacity. And you've, you've let him bring you here today. And you've sat and listened and said, I'm not sure. Ask him. If this is where you need to be, if this is the church you need to be a part of, we want you to be a part of it. If it's not where he's leading you, go with God. God bless you. Find where he wants you. But let him use you, wherever that is, to bring glory and honor to his own name. Father, I thank you. I thank you this morning for your word. So often we read it as if it's just stories, but it's not. It's real life. It's people struggling through the day to day just like we all do. Father, there are some in this room that you've spoken to today. I hope you've spoken to all. But I know there are some who've heard your voice, been challenged by your word. I pray, Father, now that your spirit would draw them to the place and the moment of surrender. If there's one here who does not know you, I pray, Father, draw them to yourself. Draw them to yourself. Convict them of sin. Convince them of the Savior. Bring them to the place you want them to be. Hurt. Father, there are some who in their frustration and their hurt have thrown up their hands. They've backed away. They've said, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But they're still breathing. They're still here. You still have a purpose and a plan for them. I pray, Father, you would lead them to it. Father, there are probably some in this room who right now are looking at themselves and saying, I'm not worthy. None of us are. None of us are worthy of your calling. None of us are worthy to be used by you. None of us are worthy to be loved by you. But through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we have hope. We have purpose. We have a future. Father, in these moments, speak to our hearts. Show us your plan. Call us into it. And give us the courage to follow you. And let you make of us what you want us to be. Have your way, Father, for I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.